three, two, one, go. Bienvenidos to the importance of Latin X representation in the Star Wars panel. How's everyone doing? Please, it will be different, I promise. It's going to be different. It's not going to be the same. We're going to have a lot more fun here, I promise. Uh, before we get started, let's introduce like our wonderful panel, uh, starting with uh, Danielle Schertner. Did I do that right? Yes. Oh my God, thank you. Please, a, lot, a round of applause for Danielle. Thank you everyone for coming here. It's really important that we have like these discussions and we're very excited to be able to have this panel here in Star Wars Celebration Europe in London. Uh, we had this panel, well we saw the people, I wasn't in it last time, but a version of this panel was done at Anaheim and it was a really good and important conversation and we're very, very proud and happy that we can cross the pond, so to speak, and continue the conversation overseas with all of you beautiful people and hopefully, you know, everything we say here is going to be something that is appreciated by one and all. Uh, one thing, though, that has become clear over the recent years is that representation matters and I think these conversations have, haven't been had for a long time or if they're had, they're very quiet and I think now we're seeing a trend where the conversations become louder and more prominent and we have to keep that momentum going if we want to see the change that we want in the media that we consume. Uh, Star Wars has taken charge in Latinx representation. Hasn't been doing too hot in the past, but I think we're doing uh, strides. I'm not saying there are massive strides, and we'll talk about that, but we have been doing strides in hopefully the right direction by casting some Amer amazing Latino or Latinx people in major, major roles, but we'll get to that. However, before we get into the, the panel itself, uh, let's have all the panelists kind of have a little blurb about themselves. So, Danielle, let's start with you. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I'm Danielle. I have a TikTok account some of you may follow, written in the Star Wars, and I do talk a lot about uh, Latina representation in Star Wars. That's something that's very important to me. Uh, I'm Mexican-American and biracial, and so seeing this representation increase in Star Wars has always been very important to me. Well, apparently I have to ask you what's your favorite lightsaber. Like, oh, yes. Uh, Ahsoka and Maul, season 7. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gary. Yes. Hi, my people. Uh, my name is Karina. Gary for short. And you guys may know me as the Star Wars Thea on the socials. Um, I do, of course, you know, all types of content, nerdy stuff, but I also talk about a lot of... Um, and shows like toxicity in the fandom, also a love for um, Latino representation and issues, and um, and also I go after all the toxic fans. Do that really well. Maybe you need to pay attention to us first. Do what after. Hey, Rafael, please tell us a little bit about your song. And your favorite lightsaber, don't forget. Oh, okay. Oh, do? Do, yeah. Oh, do. Um, I think it was um, recently the one in Kenobi with uh, the last one with Vader and. Uh, it was so emotional. 
Let me start with that because not to copy you, but mine was Anakin and Obi-Wan from the Bench of the Seas the entirely like 40 minutes. I rewind the My name is Rafael, I write for Slashfin and a bunch of other outlets. Uh, I write a lot about Star Wars, everything from like dumb pieces about these swamp thing looking pirate in Mandalorian uh, to write the, thank you, to write the prison uh, escape from Hunter is the greatest thing to ever happen to this franchise. Uh, I just love this franchise. I'm your host for this evening. It was supposed to be Andres Cabrera. Thank you to him for organizing this. Unfortunately, he couldn't come, but you know, we're very thankful that uh, we, you know, he did this and that we're keeping it, keeping it alive. I am Gustavo Acosta. I'm from Puerto Rico, and I host a podcast called Tide of the Force, which is a podcast from Puerto Rican friends coming together to talk about Star Wars. And I am humbly accepting the hosting situation, so please bear with me. A great lightsaber duel is Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, Empire of the Back. It's got, it's got all the emotional beats, and powers, and drama, the cinematography is great, but you've seen that movie, I hope. <laughs> so this is going to be hopefully like a, we're going to discuss some serious things, or we're going to try to keep it light, have some fun. Uh, we're going to have a short Q, well, not a short Q, like, 50, like 45 minutes of us uh, blabbering, and then at the, fifth, at the 45 minute mark, we're going to have a Q&A. So if you want to chat, feel free to do so within 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, representation matters. When was the first time that you guys realized that this was a trend and that it needed to be reflected in Star Wars. Let's go in order so that I don't get confused. Mm -hmm. um, well, in, in Star Wars, uh, the first time I really noticed it was the Vanity Fair cover from last year. Uh, I got very emotional because it was the first time that it was right in my face that three leads in the biggest TV shows to come from Star Wars uh, were Latina. And that felt like such a huge milestone, and it made me reflect on what we have had in Star Wars and what we haven't, and what has led to this moment, and what can be improved upon that moment, not just for the Latina community, but for other uh, communities of color as well, and the LGBTQ community as well. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that we were having like this conversation in the previous panel, where like just because we're talking about Latinx representation, Latina Latinx representation, doesn't mean that the conversation doesn't apply in like other forms of representation because as much as we can empathize and sympathize and see the other, the more we can see ourselves and like learn to you know live in society and accepting in a growing way. So I think this is the importance of having these conversations. But yeah. Katty, how about you? When did you realize uh, this? I think when they, they find when they um, announced Andor, um, when I saw, I heard Diego Luna talking in his accent, beautiful accent. And knowing that he was going to be involved in the show, he was going to be there not only as the character but as a producer as well. And I was like, wow, they're including one of us now. You know, like this is great, and we're going to, you know, hopefully this is going to tell a story that's going to resonate with us, and we're going to be able to relate. So that was really important. Thanks. Hi. Yeah, for me it was really when Robert Rodriguez came into the second episode of Mandalorian, then was announced as one of the key. Uh, creative voices in Book of Boba Fett because we realized that not only are we in front of the camera, we're behind it as well. We are shaping these stories. Uh, we can have somebody like Robert Rodriguez give us weird, crazy visuals that only he can think of. And he can have a saying that uh, is not only like conforming to the 
story or the vision of the franchise, we can shape that to what we believe can be a, a, a better story in the world. It was interesting because we know that story, or if, I mean, if we don't know it, if we don't, I'm going to remind you anyway. And a couple of years ago when Rogue One came out, one of the big things that Diego Luna was saying when he was out on the press tour was that they wanted him to do like a British accent or an American accent, I don't remember, for the role that he insisted that he keep his, you know, his accent because that's who he is and that's how he wanted to portray that character. And in fact, when you see Rogue One, Diego Luna talks like Diego Luna. And it's a beautiful thing. And there was a story where a father was uh, was taken to see his son or something to go see the movie and like that and when they heard Diego talk like in his accent they were like oh I finally see myself in that movie and it was interesting because for me that was eye opening as well because at that point I realized that I hadn't realized that there was a, a bias in film that I acquiesced to because at all that point I was like yeah I'm loving these movies but I've never realized that we're not in those stories and if we are it's West Side Story you know or Puerto Rico sorry. But it but it, it made me realize that through that sense of colonialism through film, it's given us a bias of not understanding that they do it on purpose so that we don't see ourselves and we are automatically excluded from that conversation. So Rogue One really was that catalyst and now to see like Andor like double down on that representation by not having not just having Diego Luna, but also Adri Arjona, and the whole cultural environment that they created around Ferrix for all of these characters that is so resonant to like, a lot of Latino communities is a very empowering thing. And now it's something that we're going to keep moving forward because different shows are doing it at different levels of, of success. Mandalorian, we can discuss that maybe a little bit, but maybe that's too close to their account. <laughs> And right now we have Ahsoka as well with Rosario Dawson. But where I think Star Wars is really succeeding in representation is the High Republic. So uh, we just want to see more High Republic focused representation in the TV. So we're talking to Apple like you uh, uh, Let me see, let me see, let me check my notes here. So the type of representation we get is important. How does it feel? to have Latinas in all types of empowering roles in Star Wars, from Jedi to evolutionaries to warriors. But what do we need more of, Daniel? Oh, it, it feels amazing. I mean, seeing Diego Luna uh, as a revolutionary, as a rebel, is so important to me. We've talked before about uh, Andor just being so representative of you know, our families' backgrounds or our backgrounds. and everything that they've experienced. But I would really love, I know we have, now Ahsoka is part of the Latina community. Um, so happy about that. But I would really love a, a Jedi who's not in, in makeup all the time and not in costume um, to, to have a, a, a Latina Jedi who, you know, is when you look at them or listen to them as with Diego, when we hear them, we hear home. Uh, because that was what Rogue, Rogue One was for me uh, when I sat in the theater. Uh, opening night, and I heard Diego Luna talk. I, because I, I didn't follow Star Wars as closely. I still really loved it, but I didn't follow it as closely as I do now back then. And I didn't realize that he was in this movie. And I heard him speak, and I was I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm, I'm with my family and listening to them talk. And that was the first time I really felt that watching Star Wars. And that's when it kind of hit me. And so I would love more of that. We get so many accents. We get British accents. We get Australian accents. We get Boston accents. Uh, why can't we have more? Why can't we have more Spanish accents of all different types of dialects?
Rebels and Star Wars. I would just really love to see that in any in any capacity. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, definitely Ender and and um, Cassian has been such uh, an important thing. Being that my father is like in Colombia, like in Colombia, he's a very big social um, justice. Uh, you want to call him social justice, right? Yeah, um, he's very big on social issues. He's out there, you know, for years now. He's always been in the front of any. Thing that has to do with injustices, with um, you know, especially with indigenous communities in Colombia, um, he's, he's been his life has been threatened, and, and it's been. And then, so seeing Cassian kind of you know remind seeing my father and Cassian like that has been very, very empowering and very important for me. And um, I, for the type of roles that I would see more like men, like I would love to see them having. I would love to see more of a type of character, somebody that's out there, you know, doing it. We have the important people down on the ground who's, you know, putting in that work like Cassian and, and the Rebels. Now we need to also have somebody in the top trying to, like, a, like my mom, trying to facilitate, you know, trying to help them out from uh, higher above. So that would be amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Rafael? Uh, yeah, I wanted to say, start by, like, I remember. Back when, like way before and or anything like that, I remember uh, the reason uh, the character of Cassian Andrew impacted me so much was because before that, we realized like the closest I had to a Latin American character in Star Wars was just like Lando's co pilot from Britain, <laughs> like, yeah, which I always imagine like maybe he's Mexican. <laughs> I wanted to be Mexican, and now I look at him like, man, that is that is not what I want or what I needed. Uh, so just starting to see like people, like seeing people's faces and hearing like their dialects and hearing like I'm just saying, uh, Diego Luna talking his regular voice, not having to conform to any idea of what uh, somebody in space in a fictional franchise has to sound like. <laughs> and like, well, well can, can we do more of that? And, um, I definitely feel like the, uh, what I think we need more of is people behind the camera making those choices and allowing that to happen, like Diego Luna, who understand that it's not just about a face or a voice, it's what that brings into the story. Like, so much of Andor works because it is Diego Luna in that role. So much of the prison breakout, so much of the, the final sort of riot on Ferris works because it is Diego Luna who's performing that role. And I think, like, the more people behind the camera and in the executive and producing positions we have, the more we can get these stories to be made. And it's very interesting, especially with Andor, because we're singing praises to Andor, Andor this, Andor that, Diego Luna here, and Adiara Bona there. Uh, but behind the scenes, it's a whitewash production. <laughs> you got Tony Gilroy and his acolytes, Bo Willemann, and like Sana Wallenberg, and like all these wonderful creators, but they're all coming at it from like white, white points of view. So it's very interesting to see like the show, the show that has succeeded in Latino representation was entirely made by white people. So it's one of, it's one of those things where it's like, important conversations like these are important because we have to really start contextualizing not just things on the screen, but also behind the scenes and within ourselves too, because I think a lot of cultural conversations that are had about these uh, franchises, obviously it goes beyond Star Wars, it's usually done by a very <coughs> white, white group of people. 
so we need really to empower like our voices to be part of that and to also advocate not just for representation on the screen, but representation behind the scenes. Because when we like have like that much diversity, it really shows you the product. And I feel an example of like a show that kind of is not showing how representation is done is The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know we know who's behind the scenes, and we know that there's not a writers group for that, and we see that the show kind of suffered for that. And our, our Latina lead there. It's always in a helmet, and we don't really get to explore what, what that means for his identity as not just a Mandalorian, but a, a Latino man in this show. What do you, how do you guys feel about Mandalorian, like what it's saying in terms of representation? Yeah, that, one, that one's difficult because it was, you know, before we, before we had Andor, we had the Mandalorian, as you said, with Den. And it was a bit disappointing to not be able to see him. And I remember every time when his helmet would come off, a few times it's come off. It's like, yes, that's that's one of that's one of us. And you hear you know, we hear his voice all the time. And of course, it's beautiful and wonderful as uh, Pedro Pascal is. Uh, but there is there is a, a lack there that Andor does have that the Mandalorian doesn't have. And you were talking about this on the podcast earlier. <laughs> you should all listen to it, by the way. It was a great, great time. <laughs> um, but it is that, like, what what responsibility do, do they have? Do we always have to re be reflecting these, uh, these backgrounds of these actors? Uh, who should it, should it be reflected if it's not someone who understands it, telling it? Um, and, you know, what, what can go wrong that way? What does that say about who is being allowed uh, inside the writer's room, who's being allowed inside the director's room? And I just, I wish that that, that was more of a, a concern for the Mandalorian and for Andor, because as we said, Andor is a completely non-Latine writer's group and director's group. And uh, I think that those are things that should be thought about, that it's not just, it's great that we have Diego Luna and Pedro Pascal and Rosario Dawson, but, and Jim Smith, of course, but uh, we need people like Robert Rodriguez and uh, other other um, Latinas, like women, non-binary Latinas, behind the scenes helping to tell these stories so that you know we can see that more clearly than just you know a visual mm -hmm. audio thing. It's interesting because we are talking about a very interesting group of a great group of people, but if we are excluding one particular person, and I feel it's very interesting that we are, and we're excluding Oscar Isaac from the oh, oh my god! No! No! <laughs> no, because that's oh, the one that I have The first thing about me at the Disney era, come on. I bring it up not just because it was funny, but because uh, Rising Skywalker needs to be did something horrible with yes. the character, and it's really, it's like there's one thing about representation, but there's also a thing about reinforcing negative stereotypes. Yeah. And yes. like you take Oscar Isaac, who is like this great captain of the uh, the resistance, not the rebellion. I'm sorry. And you know he's going to succeed Leia and all these things, but all of a sudden it's just like, well, guess what? You're actually a drug dealer. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, one of those things where it's like, why, why this, why? We already had a good, perfectly good backstory that's positive and empowering, and all of a sudden we have to do yeah. that to that particular character. It's very telling, and like, well, it's one of those frustrating things. It's like, why, why was that choice made? Because it's not a decision that needed to be made when a character already had a positive and constructive backstory. So I think that's one of also things that we need to ask these creators to do so it's like yeah when you represent us make sure that you're doing it in a, in a constructive way that you know reinforces the good aspects of our communities because our communities have a lot more to offer than just you know racial stereotypes that have been 
perpetuated by you know, decades and centuries of racism. Mm -hmm. no? That's something that kind of also was, uh, could be said about the Marta sisters mm -hmm. as well, you know, uh, that they had to resort again to legal activities to be able to survive. Like, I understand that at a certain point with the empire and stuff, there's not many options and everything. But again, we're just tired of seeing the same story, uh, you know, applied to us every single time, especially in then, like you said with Paul, there was no reason for him to go into that lifestyle when his parents were already like such amazing, you know, character, respectable people and everything. And that's how he worked, that's the, the, or the environment that he was in. There was no reason for him to be made into a spice runner, like at all, you know? Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Do they know? They don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, following going back a little bit with the Mandalorian question, like, how do you feel about the representation of Mandalorian, like how it's going right now? Yeah, I think what uh, struck me the most is the fact that they had an opportunity, you know what I'm saying, with like playing with stereotypes and using what the actor and their ethnicity of their background brings to the character, the fact that they did so much the story like, where he's part of a religious cult, he's part of a really strict uh, organization or family, whatever you want to call it, and then now they are the good guys who we just we like just because they're the only Mandalorians that we know. And we just like forgetting about like all the you don't remove your helmet, you don't do anything that doesn't apply to the code, and I feel like that's one of the uh, missed opportunities of the show, like the, the whole you don't remove your helmet, and we don't see Pedro Pascal's face was supposed to have a point. And was like uh, uh, they, were, they were about to make that part of the story, and like no, we, we don't do that anymore. He just in the helmet all the time, and we just forget about it. And that's such a missed opportunity because they could have had that uh, Latin American, like that uh, Catholicism, that really new one, whatever you he could bring to the table. They could take that and make it a part of the story, where it's not just the faith because of the faith. You could actually make this a part of the story, and it just they didn't happen. Yeah, because I feel season one really kind of was a little more focused on that because at least I connected to that season because I really felt that the, the experience of diaspora, right? I'm Puerto Rican, born in Puerto Rico. I live in Chicago right now. So like I have, like right now I'm going through, through all that experience, but what does it mean to be displaced and be somewhere else? And what, like, how do I connect or not connect with my culture, being some, in a completely different environment, completely different culture, completely different language? And to an extent, season one was exploring those questions of that sense of belonging, of being, being removed from his family and his culture, and now being placed in this indoctrination, and apparently forgetting about that in season three. And it was a really interesting question, especially when he starts to see in season one, season two, that removing his helmet maybe is not that bad after all. But then we had to make him an apostate, but not really explore what that means, which I think is a missed opportunity. Because well, because now the, the titular Mandalorian is no longer the Latino guy, he's uh, Paul Catiz. She's dope, but... She is, she is, don't get me wrong, I love her. But, but. he's the title of the show. <laughs> it is the title of the show. Let's make something a little more fun now. Is there, is there a particular moment from any of all these characters that we have been discussing that has resonated with you? A moment that, that particularly when you felt seen or empowered? Oh, well, I mean, just I would keep going back to Diego Luna and Cassian. I have him right there, you know, Cassian, um, for a reason because it, it genuinely was. Rogue One was the first time that I, you know, I 
you know, heard his voice and I heard my family. And that just always sticks with me. It made me feel like more, more at home in Star Wars. And I think that was really the, the catalyst for, for me becoming even more obsessed with Star Wars and more actively obsessed with it as I am now. So, yeah, change my life, Diego Luna. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be here today. Everyone's laughing, especially after having that night. I think um, with Bix, I think uh, I resonate with very much. Uh, having her character be such a strong character, such an independent person, um, you know, even though she was, she didn't define herself with this relationship that she had with Tim, the snitch. Um, <laughs> um, you know, she 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 was going in her own way. She was she was paving her own path, and she was still making the decisions in her life and not having somebody else do that do that for her. You know, and she was such a person with such um character of wanting to do the right thing. You know, regardless of if, if that was um, something that was gonna put her in danger. You know, uh, helping Diego. You know, casting out, even though you know. Kazin is a little crazy, he's going all over the place and stuff, driving everybody else crazy during that time. He's going through stuff. Yeah, he's going through stuff. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's just the type of woman that she is, the type of person that she is. Such a, a, with a great heart. And um, that really, like, you know, spoke to me a lot. Uh, being also a Latina woman, you know, um, having to make my way in, in a world where uh, my voice is, you know, basically always sad, trying to be silenced. You know, so that was really awesome. But well, you have the power of TikTok, and you are not being silent. <laughs> oh no, I, I made my voice heard on TikTok. That's okay. Yeah. You're gonna hear it. Follow up on the music. And what moment made you feel empowered? Uh, not to go, stars. not to keep coming back to Andor. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a good show. Uh, the 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 prison break. I mean, just seeing. Cassie and take the, the the lead, and just like organizing these people and be, be the the guy to realize like well we we have enough this is we have to do something and coming from Venezuela and seeing like protests and having been to protests for years and being harassed by police and everything like seeing him take the charge and organize all these people and making sure that they are fighting for something bigger than themselves uh, yeah that was a really powerful moment Andor is good. <laughs> There's a particular particular scene in Andor, like when they're about to escape Ferris and the cops, you know, we'll, we'll talk about cops outside of the, the convention. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's Disney after all. And the cops do the crackdown on Ferris and all of a sudden the community comes together. And all of a sudden the community starts banging all the metal and all the bells and start like, you know, doing the warning, the, the war cry basically through through their accoutrements, right, that they have available to them. And when I saw that moment, it really touched me because I'm like, that's exactly what's happening in Puerto Rico right now. Puerto Rico, every time there's a strike or something, you, you, go, you go and you get your pots and pans and you start banging them and you make noise and, you, and that's a form of protest back home, which is very analogous to what's happening in, in, in Andor. And it really spoke to me, not just because, you know, the, the connection that it made, but because it's, you see it and then it's happening. And it's, these are stories that like not just are good and entertaining, but stories that speak to us and tell us more about our reality than reality sometimes does. And I think that's a power of like why we have these conversations because it makes us see that there's you know there's 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 a little there's more 
than the, than what we see on the surface. There's a lot of substance to that. And that's where the having Diego Luna as a producer as well comes mm-hmm. into play because he's talked about how he's casting, having like using his Batman to influence his story, even if it's not directly like rewriting part of the script because of it, but just the fact that he's there makes those scenes resonate more. Like if he was a white actor, if he, if he hadn't been involved with the show, we wouldn't be making that same connection necessarily about like drones and pants, but because Diego Luna is part of it, it's like, oh, uh, this is things that I know, I recognize this as something that's from my culture, my background, or just something I, I, I see on the street. And, 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 police, and police corruption, police, police abuse of the police and minority groups, and displacement, I thought was a really interesting thing what was happening in Paris. It was like, we, well, all of Latin America, Puerto Rico, the Caribbean, were being displaced in many different ways by corporations and in big interest. So to kind of see that in Andor is really like a, like a power, powerful thing, because again, like when we have this conversation, we can make other people that don't have those types of connections be aware that like, oh, this is something that's talking to, to something that's beyond that. Because we have, to, and I think this is the important thing with that, like, we can have these conversations amongst ourselves and like, yeah, all nothing is see, let's see this, but if we have these conversations with other groups, like we can start like seeing the things that we cannot, cannot see because of our own implicit biases or cultural limitations. So like, you know, talk to everybody. Show them this video when it's published. <laughs> so we can all learn and grow together. Yes. <laughs> but uh, do, you, do you feel, actually, no, we already did this question, mm-hmm. way. Uh, what impact do these characters have on a younger audience? Uh, I don't have kids, so like, how do you know? Well, I can say that. I, I wish that I had had these characters when I was little. And, you know, of course, I was a prequels kid, so we had Jim Smith, but um, it, it's hard to, it's hard to, I don't know, I didn't really recognize the importance of Jimmy Smith until until we got at Diego Luna and um, and Oscar Isaac and you know, finally seeing this connection, I'm like, oh Jimmy Smith has been here the entire time. He's been carrying, you know, our our legacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, having having more for kids uh, to look up to and to feel themselves in this uh, franchise as well just must be amazing, and I'm so glad that they have it. I hope that they get more, and that kids from all the communities get more representation mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, so me growing up, I was very uh, much more, I, I was born in the United States, but my parents were from Colombia, and you know, growing in the household, I, I my first language was Spanish. Uh, my whole entire environment was just Colombian culture, Latino traditions, Latino culture. So I didn't miss that because, you know, everything, anything that I saw on TV and all that stuff, it was all in Spanish. So I, I didn't grow up missing that until I got much older when I was able to understand what it was that was missing from, you know, all these other uh, movies, uh, stories and the media and everything. We were missing, you know, so much. And whatever, you know, was uh, made uh, representing us was just the most horrible stories, mm-hmm. you know, the most stereotypical stories. So I'm happy that now my children and, and other kids are going to be able to see themselves in a much better light. That they're going to be able to be like, oh, I don't have to be some gang person. I don't have to be some drug dealer. That's not, that's not the cool thing anymore. I can see myself as somebody that's going to go out and do, like, some something so simple can be something so amazing, like, like you know, Cassian does in Android. 
Um, and, and that's really, I, I think that's amazing. And I'm, I'm so happy that they're going to get be able to grow up um, with things like that that we didn't. I think it's, uh, it boils down to it brings in more fans. It's as simple mm -hmm. as that. Like you show kids, people who look like them in either the movies or TV shows, and they're gonna want to see more of that. You see how many little girls are here in this convention center dressed up as Ray, mm -hmm. how many people lost their minds when they see Ridley showed up on stage on Friday. Uh, having this guy, having Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and having that uh, that character who like so many people love from the animation side to like now being on live action, being played by somebody who looks like these kids, that's gonna change them, that's gonna make them want to watch more, to, to, to want to follow this franchise, and the more we give them, the more they're gonna want. Um, like, yeah, not, not every kid needs to or should watch Andor necessarily, but it starts with something as simple as Mandalorian, it starts with Paul Dameron, it starts with Ahsoka, and it just grows from there. It's it. It's interesting because I don't have kids, so I'm not going to answer that question. Uh, I'm going to change this question, actually. Uh, at the beginning, we were talking about how Star Wars historically has not been doing too hot in terms of like how we're representing any community from the LGBTQ plus to the Latina community. Uh, other franchises are also struggling with representations with greater or lesser success. Uh, how, how do you think Star Wars is doing in comparison to other franchises? And what franchise do you think is actually doing it? Right. Um, you know, I've noticed that Marvel MCU has been trying to to, to do better. Whatever. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then DC. You know, I was really happy. I, I was really happy to see to see Heinrich uh, in the trailer for um, oh, what is it? Blue Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. Yes, Blue Beetle. I was going to say Blue Beetle. I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, the non DC version. Uh, but uh, seeing that trailer, I know there's, there's been some talk about how they changed El Paso to a you know, fictional city, but um, I was really happy to see that from DC, and I was thinking, you know, what, what other Latina actors have I seen in DC? And I know I think we got some in uh, The Flash, I think, which is a lot to say about that. Um, but DC could definitely be do, doing better, and I hope that this is like a catalyst for that. Um, and even you know, like I said, Marvel, I think their best representations maybe in their shows uh, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I hope to see that uh, kind of grow as well into the movies much more. Yeah. Oh, same. I think, uh, I've, I mean, then I said it basically, the DC has been, uh, well, DC has been they're doing too well <laughs> for trying to get it off the floor right now. But then, you know, hopefully this week, the way they're trying to revamp everything, the way now that they're trying to do um, new stories and, and trying to uh, do new things, um, we're gonna hopefully they're gonna start giving us that more of that representation, not just Latina but every other community um, out there as well. Uh, Marvel again, like Daniel said, the shows have been I think giving us more of that uh, relatable content uh, for uh, different communities. That's amazing, and I just wanted to point back to what you said with the High Republic. Um, best representation right now in the Star Wars uh, franchise, um, just alone with the, we have two amazing writers, Soraya Cordova and Daniel Jose Older, um, you know, 
they you could tell in the shows like we I would be able to you know we would be able to like pick up the little things that they incorporate. Like for example, um, in the comics that Daniel uh, with Opportunity, Sam Maligan, Jedi, uh, uh, she she has like this little Latino flair, like the whole thing with the cap, her her little cafecito, saying that with mascanada to like gossip and chit chat. That's like okay, that's my grandma right there. That's like the old people in my community when I used to see them come to my grandma's house and just like oh my god, we hear about so and so and they're drinking the little thing at five o'clock in the afternoon. So that that's that's really awesome. Um, that's with the High Republic. Yeah, the thing with this, see, is like, we could have had it, we almost had it. We were about to have a Latina bad girl, a Latina supergirl, and we lost one of them. Who knows if the other one's gonna, who knows what's gonna happen to Supergirl? And now Jaime, the whole like changing of El Paso, that was really hurtful. And you talk about like who is doing it best. I mean, it's not even, it's not even a franchise, it's just the one movie that's doing it right, it's just Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Because it's behind the camera. They have people behind the camera who know, who cares about <laughs> the cultural specificity, who care about the dialogue and not having subtitles when people speak Spanish because that's just what they sound like, that's what they say. Um, those types of very specific things you're saying with the, cafe, the, the, the coffee and everything, that's what you end up like caring about the most. Like, you, 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 if you see those little things, it doesn't even matter if the, the, the story as a whole is impacted by it, but you stick with those little moments and you're like, well, I see myself in that. And it's just a matter of building that up in, 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 in everywhere we can. Mm-hmm. And to build on top of that then, like, uh, obviously we want more representation, we want to see more things from our cultural diversities, like in, in these stories. Uh, you just gave the example of the calf, like in, in BJO's uh, stories, but because of Star Wars inherently it needs to be Star Wars and fight and it needs to be weird. Uh, so like what type of other things do you think we can start incorporating into these stories or the things that you want to see? Well, you know, going off of Dan Jose Older again because God love that man. Um, in, in one of his High Republic books, Midnight Horizon, there's, it's not something so, so tangible, but it's an experience that I think we may have all, all felt at one, one or two points. Um, that someone who hasn't experienced that wouldn't be able to write it. And someone who hasn't experienced that probably wouldn't get what I get from reading that. And there, there's just a moment where one of the characters talks about he's in a room full of these really wealthy people who are making light of a horrible situation, and he is so angry. And it's the, the line is, he felt nothing and then he felt everything. And that like hit me so hard. Like I started, I started crying because I was like, that, that's how I feel. Like that's what it feels like to be to have microaggressions against against you all the time, and and to not be able to explain what it is about that that hurts, and that to make people understand because it's so difficult. And I actually like, tweeted at him, and I put the page number, and I was like, I don't know if that's what you meant to get across, but that's what I got. And he said it was. That was exactly what it was. It's things like that, not so tangible, but feelings and experiences that we only get from people who have lived those experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the same thing, just like, it doesn't have to be, like you said, something super impactful, super big. Um, it's just those little moments that make us feel so special, so seen. And I think those are the little moments. Like, tradition and culture is very big for us, you know, very big. 
uh, uh, our language, even though you know, it's colonized language. But that's how we communicate, you know? Um, uh, the, the way we do things, the way we see things, uh, our, even our food, what we eat, everything is so impactful for us and so important to us. So little things like that could go such a long way with um, us loving these stories and, 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 and being able to like, be like, okay, you see, they thought about us. That's what I would, that's what I would love to see for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's about like uh, as I said before with with Andrew, it's about recognizing what uh, these actors, these creators, these whoever's involved bring to it, even subconsciously. Even if you are not thinking about oh, I'm making this character, this story about Latin American or adding a Latino aspect to it, you are still bringing your own background to the table and. That's what you recognize, even if you are not being told, like, we're making this for you. Like, well, but they are making it for me because I see it mm -hmm. and I see myself in it. Um, and yeah, and, and also, as you said, like those very specific moments that you are not thinking about them as being pandemic or as being like written into the script, probably like my, the most specific moment in a movie in the past few years that I like. Identify myself. It's not. It's not Star Wars related, but it's in Encanto with one of them. You know, he points at something those, with his mouth. And <laughs> yeah. that, I don't know who thought of that. That's such a small thing. It's in the background. You won't even notice unless you're pausing it. But once you notice, I'm like that's such a Latino thing. That is me. I do that, and I I don't see anyone else do that. I don't see any other movie do that. And those are the moments that stick with you. So it's about like recognizing the little moments that are gonna resonate with even just one person. But it's actually like millions of people, and it's about recognizing what you subconsciously bring to the table and allowing that to be a part of the story and to influence the story. Uh, those little moments make us also know that it's not just pandering, mm -hmm. that they're not just given some stereotypical thing, you know, that they're uh, oh, all of the things is what they do. You know, those little moments that could be a, 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 a like the same thing with the, I mean, not every Latino does the the thing, but in Colombia we do that too. Yeah. You know, so it's like all right, that was that there was thought behind it. There was like somebody was like all right, they cared enough to put that little thing in there. Mm -hmm. You know. What and now on the showcase on Friday, we had a bunch of uh, shows and movies that were announced. What of those, like which show or movie, do you expect to? See that will incorporate some of the things that we have been discussing today. Oh, I think the Apple, right? Um, I, I was and why? Uh, and why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to see the teaser trailer for it, one of the panels I went to, and oh my god, it looks amazing! Uh, like it looks andor level amazing, but with lightsabers, and uh, which is my thing, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, and there's it's just it seems so inclusive from the creator who is is a gay woman to and she's including her, her wife in in the in the story, which is great. Hearing that was amazing. Um, but you know the casting has been phenomenal for that and just the glimpses that we got have been great. And I just it seemed hearing the hearing the creator talk, Leslie uh, talk about it was just it seems like, you know, they care about this story. They care about the casting that they've done. And they care about inclusivity and making, you know, fans who are often overlooked the center of this. And I think that's great. And I have I have high hopes for it. And I hope it does really well. Yeah. 
No, same for me. I was always lucky enough <laughs> to, to see the, the little teaser trailer. And um, I know that, uh, I really hope that, you said it before, that they continue that feeling from the books and the comic books and the, and, and the, and the reading material. Even though we know it's going to get so much negativity from the Phantom Menace, <laughs> That's what they are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But it, it, it is. I already know that because I think it's gonna have such inclusion of all of these communities, of all of the, the, the representation that it's gonna have, and um, I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm really, really, really looking forward to it because this has been, even though we have an amazing, you know, all these amazing stories in reading format. We need to see that in live action as well, because not everybody's able to access these reading materials, you know. And um, and it, it's going to be important not just for us, for the little kids as well that are, you know, feeling like they they, they don't see themselves in that way. They, you know, the, the LGBTQ community, the, the POC community, Black community, and Latino community. So, um, yeah, I really have have high hopes for that. Yeah, I agree. I think like if, if one show is to do it, it will be that one. If I am allowed to wish or just hope that uh, one of the movies does that is the uh, Dawn of the Jedi, like Old Republic movies, like uh, just go back to the beginning. Uh, and then I was saying with Andrew, allow these voices to shape the story. Like if 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 you are worried about fan reaction, like you are so far removed from everything that you can do whatever you want, then allow these voices, these creators, these actors to shape their character should to shape this world and see where that leads and I can guarantee you that if you allow that to happen you can come up with something that that, that that feels even more special than just following the idea of copying what came before. And there's some I mean this is a topic that we could be talking about forever but we want to really open it up for questions but before we do that I'm gonna give the guests an opportunity to Tell where we can find you so that everyone can, you know, run immediately and follow you on Twitter and all your socials. So Danielle, where can people find you? Uh, on TikTok, at written in Star Wars and Twitter at danielas394. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter as Estafostia. I hope that you can be a part of it. I really thank you. And um, on Instagram, you can do Cady Skywalker. Uh, just my name on Twitter, Rafael Montamayor. And you can find me through Triad of the Force, at Triad of the Force on Twitter, Instagram, that thing called Hive that lasted five minutes, <laughs> and also on YouTube and all your podcast uh, providers. So please follow us. We have decent content. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening us uh, for a couple of minutes here, talk about things that really matter to us. Hopefully, it was enlightening to some extent for you. So if anyone has any questions, the mics are open. Fire away. So that's the goal. Let's go right now. Thank you. This was so great. I'm reinvigorated. This is day three, and it's the end of the day. And I just want to say I appreciate this conversation and for waking me back up without caffeine. Thank you. Uh, my name is Maricela. I'm a Chicana from Los Angeles. And uh, I, hearing you all talk about representation, uh, two actors came to mind. I don't know if these are very different views, but I heard Edward James almost, almost once say, 
um, that he chooses his roles very deliberately. He wants to make sure that he represents role models for the Latino community. And then recently, I heard Ariana DeBose say, you know, I want to be in a world, I want to live in a world where, um, you know, like my white counterparts, I have the privilege of picking any role, you know, and just bringing my whole self to that role. She did this really great um, uh, role in Schmigadoon, uh, which is a, a yeah, musical TV show, where she got to play teacher, you know, not coming off of her Academy Award winning West Side Story performance, but she felt so she felt like a little bit of what white privilege might feel like mm -hmm. by choosing that role because it yes. spoke to her as a person. Um, with respect to representation, do you feel like we're at a place yet where we are, as Latinos, permitted to choose roles that you know may not be uh, the heroes? Mm -hmm. And yeah, what are your thoughts on those two kind of well, maybe not so different or conflicting? Yeah, I don't think we, as a Latino community, we don't need permission to do anything. We <laughs> can and should do anything we want because it's, it's way past due. So I think, but I think it's an interesting conversation about like what roles we're we're doing in the sense that like when we're doing roles that are about representation of roles of like a West Side Story or something like that, that that role is you know portrayed in a way that's authentic and true to what it's trying to portray. Uh, but you know, I think we can we can definitely diversify because we don't, we also don't want to be like shoeboxed, right? Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. All, we're only this thing yeah. only cast us to do. And Danny Trejo. Oh, oh yeah, 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 white people don't feel that non-Latine or people who aren't part of communities of color or LGBTQ communities is that there's a, a weight of responsibility and you feel guilty if you're not doing something to progress your people or to progress your, make sure that your family's history is being remembered. And I often wonder if other people feel that way. And not just your family, but your 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 country where you come from or where your family comes from and, and everything like that is like you can't do something if you're not progressing it what are you doing with your life and that's how I feel sometimes and and it is difficult because you that's something you love but also you just want to do your own thing you, you want to you want to be able to do whatever you want and feel like you know not feel guilty about it and I think that that's a, just a huge question and I completely agree Latinos should be able to do whatever they want and not feel guilty about it. Um, and I think that we still have a long way to go yeah. with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, just coming back uh, to, I think, agreeing with um, you guys. Uh, I just wanted to get to a point where we don't have to pick the roles that because, you know, it has to be a Latino representation. Yeah. It could just be a regular single role. I want somebody to do, you know, Tom Cruise type of movie. That's our, like our action hero. You know, or a thriller like Harrison Ford does sometimes with you know his political thrillers and stuff. And it's does does not just you know. It, of course, the representation is important, but it doesn't have to always be that. It doesn't have to. We don't have to stick just to that role, you know. And unfortunately, right now, like Rosie Perez, I heard her say the other day that the Latino community, outside of the indigenous community, is the most underrepresented in Hollywood right now. And that's why we don't see those type of like roles, uh, Latinos in those type of roles, because they're not coming to us, they're not hiring us for things like that. 
And I, I want to get to a point where they could be like, you know what, pick whatever you want. Here you go. It doesn't have to be just about the culture, right? Something cool. I mean, no. look at like Pedro Pascal. Uh, he, and you see this, you see it with Diego Luna as well. A lot of, especially Latino men in, in, in Hollywood, they always like to start with the cartel stories, mm-hmm. and then they get the big stories like you know Pedro Pascal with The Last of Us. That's not a, a Latino role, uh, and he, he got it and did it great. But he also comes from having to do the cartel. And that seems to be like the gateway for for Latino <laughs> men in Hollywood. And yeah. I really love for that. <laughs> That's why I think like the roles that Latino actors have in Star Wars is so fascinating because you see what we can do when given the chance. You see Diego Luna bringing his back into the world, but you also see Pedro Pascal just being that character, and it has nothing to do with him being Latino. Mm-hmm. And we still love him for it, but he can just play the role because it's a good run. He's good in it. Mm-hmm. And we also see Rosario Dawson, who she did, she did not originally work the role. She looks at the character, she plays the character well, but she has her back and doesn't play into it. We, we can do both things. We can just mm-hmm. play the role because we're good at playing the roles, and we can also bring our own backgrounds into it if we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not either or, it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. More questions? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the conversation. I'm so excited to just you for be in the room talking about this. I'm Lisa Barrena from Los Angeles. Uh, and um, I just, you had an excellent topic earlier about what the franchise is doing it well. And I, I remember um, being moved almost to tears uh, watching the Taliban. Uh, scenes in the Black Panther or whatever. That's how creatively you can go and represent, you know, indigenous ancestry. Because for me, that was beyond uh, feeling seen and heard. Um, I I'm waiting for the Latina Jedi Master as well, uh, who can be just visually the Latina Jedi Master. So I think one of the one of the questions for me that um, is uh, kind of at the core of you know Jedi lore is about the detachment from family, and because familia for us is such a central core, how do you reconcile those things and still have a, a Latina, you know, Jedi master um, that has that connection? How do you how do we get over that hump and still represent? You know what I mean? Well, if we go by my head can. Uh, yeah. Ezra mm-hmm. is setting up a new Jedi way in the unknown regions. That Palpatine isn't aware of, you know, that Palpatine is and all that stuff. Uh, so, like, there's a thriving community of Jedi in the unknown regions that don't have to be burdened by all that, you know, mumbo jumbo from the past. And hopefully, so. Like, you know, the higher ups at Lucasfilm are listening to this, and when they make the Ray, the Ray movie, Ray is also going to break with that because she's yes. seen the harm that it did to Ben Solo, and like, she lost the one that she loved because of the silly little rules that aren't so silly when they, you know, kill people. Mm-hmm. And I give you social anxiety. So hopefully, like that movie will break with that stigma and will allow them to like have a, a more diverse Jedi order. So, I, yeah, I, that's what I would want. I guess we're going to be riding space whales. Yes! It's happening. It's happening. It's over. We're going. We're going. Let's go. We're going to Purple Town. We're going. Yes! Well, I don't know if this is so much an answer to that, but I mean, can you imagine uh, being Latina and going to Jedi school and then coming home to your parents? <laughs> 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 Having to answer the questions about that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, first, a little counterpoint on uh, Pedro. He was an FBI agent in Narcos, so he wasn't technically the cartel. We can probably talk afterwards about whether or not that's better. But yeah. <laughs> what, what I'm wondering is, what do you think changed? Because I remember growing up and idolizing someone like John Leguizamo, who's in the Super Mario Brothers movie, or whatever you want to say about that. Now it's, I, I wore a green hat to school every day. Okay? But we also had him in his one-man shows say things like, you know, he, his mom told him the fact that there were no brown people in Star Trek and that we weren't in the plan for the future, and now we are the future with this franchise, and I'm wondering what changed, because we touched on it slightly with Jimmy Smith, right? We had Jimmy Smith in the prequels, but that didn't feel like representation. Mm -hmm. Seeing uh, Jimmy Smith is a Boricua, I'm a Boricua, but seeing uh, Tamur Morrison mm -hmm. in Attack of the Clones felt more like representation, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because he was a brown man and he was representing more of his culture yeah. in that, whereas there was that removed. So I'm wondering what changed where now there's this, what do you think changed that there's this push now where it's important and, and seeing people like, uh, you know, Diego Luna, Pedro Pascal, and all these other actors and actresses and representation coming up, you know, what, what happened? What happened? I think, I think one of the motivator main, always, the first motivator is always going to be money. That, you know, I think once they started seeing that these, uh, you know, getting that, that representation, these different types of people and, and into the stories, it's gonna bring more people in. They thought that they, 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 because for so long, we had to endure having to relate to characters that didn't look like us, we still give them our money because we enjoyed the story and we had nothing else. But I think now, you know, uh, once they started incorporated, they started seeing that and then they started seeing also us as fans basically cry, like begging them and, 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 and screaming at them like, listen, we need more of this. Uh, they, you know, they, they, I guess they finally started listening to uh, my talks, and then they start. You know, once the money starts rolling in, that's when they start, they, That's when they pay attention. So look at how the Fast and Furious movies became huge once they embraced Latin American yeah. community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think also, as Rafael said earlier, um, it matters who's behind the camera because Robert Rodriguez is behind the Fett, and that's some of the best, like that incorporates so much of Tomorrow uh, Morrison's background. And I think it's having someone who sees that desire in the person and allowing it to just grow and affect the story as well. Loki, great representation, uh, Willow. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. 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 Yeah, no, we only have uh, the, the, the clock is uh, warning me it's in red, so we're going to ask a question. If time for one more question. Okay, good. Uh, I, we, can, we can talk. I'm sorry because this is actually a question, but something I would uh, love to share with you because it's a, a brief personal story about inclusion. You know, I'm, I'm very big, I'm going to be very fast. Uh, very quickly about uh, being a boy born and raised in the Canary Islands, which mm -hmm. are a tiny, mm -hmm. tiny group of islands yeah. in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. I always dreamed about uh, working in the film industry and, of course, being the Star Wars, you know. So I felt as, as much as in my imagination in that galaxy was not so far away, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of being able to do filmmaking in the Star Wars, but felt really far away. 
I'm sure you, you can relate to that. So when they came to Canary Islands actually to film Soul, because as you know, Savarin, that deserted planet that was shot there, I was like crazy, you know? They <laughs> tried to get in that. I had friends who worked in that, and I was like so crazy, you know? Star Wars is coming to my home, talking about uh, feeling uh, Star Wars as, as a home. So um, I, I couldn't get there, you know, it was like devastated for me. But then uh, a few weeks ago, I had to share this, and I, I feel this is a perfect uh, place because mm -hmm. it feels like family. The whole convention feel like, feels like family, but yes. this, this bit more, even more. So um, uh, last, this very same week, I was working in season two of Anthropocene. <laughs> And they have been like a year ago. They said that there were rumors they were coming to the Canary Islands. Well, but we have so wonderful landscape you have to go. So, <laughs> um, so, so you know, for me, it's it's like a personal story about struggling mm -hmm. and seeing something that's so far away and being there. You can imagine Diego Luna. I mean, mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> the rest of the cast, and you know, right of course, it was like. Okay, this is possible, you know, that boy from the Canary Islands, you know, you can make it, so if somebody's thinking about something like that, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a tiny proof that that's possible. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A special shout out to Disney and Lucasfilm for providing us a chance to bash them a little bit. And <laughs> talk about the things they're doing wrong, but also give credit where they're doing it right. You've got to give credit where credit's due. And thank you to all of you for being active participants in, you know, in this fight, in this conversation, because, you know, united we are stronger. So thank you so much for coming and enjoy the rest of the week.